You're listening to the Redeemer Theological Academy with Pastor Brian Cashelmeyer of Redeemer Lutheran Church, Los Alamos, New Mexico. On the Redeemer Theological Academy, we mine the riches of the Scripture and the Church Fathers and find in them Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer. Here's the Academy with Pastor Cashelmeyer. Welcome back to the Redeemer Theological Academy. Now, in our last lecture, we were talking about Isaiah 55. We have a little bit more to cover. We'll finish that in just a bit, and we'll head on into Isaiah 56. So let's go ahead and get started, picking up at verse 12 in Isaiah 55. For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for Yahweh, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Now, as we've said many times in the past, we have a reoccurring theme of the Exodus. But of course, this will be a new Exodus. We're always pointing toward the picture of the incarnation, the one who will come to bring his kingdom, and his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. So in passages like this, you have this contrast with these temporal earthly kingdoms. Remember, as we've also said before about the mountains, The mountains and the hills, these are the kingdoms and the kings. These are the peoples and the nations that stand in the way, trying to prevent God's kingdom from coming. But of course, they will fail. They will not succeed in hampering or hindering the plan of God. Now, for instance, in Psalm 115, we have an echo of this. This coming out of Egypt, being released from captivity to Pharaoh. So in Psalm 114, when Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary and Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams and the hills like lambs. Now again, notice that we are talking about going out of Egypt. This is the exodus. This is the redemption from slavery. And notice this correlation between the mountains and the hills. Now here in Isaiah 55, the mountains and the hills, they shall break forth into singing. Well, in Psalm 114, you have the mountains skipped like rams and the hills skipped like lambs. Kind of personifying these mountains and these kingdoms of the earth as the Lord goes forth, bringing his kingdom, an eternal kingdom, a spiritual kingdom that comes through the preaching of the message of Christ. And therefore, in Isaiah 55, as this word goes out, there is singing, there is rejoicing, the fields are clapping their hands. So there's joy and there is peace. Of course, it's only Christ who can bring this true joy and this true peace with God. Not like the peace of the world, but the peace between the Creator and fallen creation. 
Of course, in the New Testament, when Paul talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, of course, notice that in this kingdom of peace, Christ being the Prince of Peace, the fruit of the Spirit is peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The kingdom of Christ is a kingdom of peace which brings joy. But not just any joy, great joy, glad tidings of great joy as the angels sing at the birth of the newborn king. This is the highest joy, the joy that God alone will bring that allows us to sing even in the midst of affliction and persecution, of sorrow and pain and even suffering and death. Notice the singing, the singing that's going forth, breaking forth by the mountains and the hills, because you're going out in joy and in peace. Again, like we said, the mountains and the hills are the kingdoms of the earth, which, of course, points to the picture of the conversion of the Gentiles. When God's word goes out to the ends of the earth, it's by that word that the Holy Spirit is given, eyes are open, And ears can hear the voice of God. The eyes of the heart will be opened to see and enlightened by the work of the Holy Spirit. And not only do we have this imagery of the mountains and the hills, I mean, notice the imagery of all creation, that this is a restoration, a new heavens and a new earth, a new creation. Thus, notice the trees, the trees that are beneficial and good, replacing those trees of the curse of the thorns and the briar, the things that took place after the fall into sin. Notice that it's the trees of the field that clap their hands, the cypress instead of thorns, the myrtle instead of briar. This is to be a sign of the new creation, the visible word connected with the vocal voice. The new creation will bear testimony forever. And they, of course, proclaim the name of the Lord. All of this is so that Yahweh will make his name known. Of course, when the apostles are sent out, they are to teach and baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, we want to transition from chapter 55 into chapter 56. Remember, at the beginning of chapter 55, at verse 3, Yahweh speaks and he says, I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Remember, we are talking about this promised mercy of David and this new covenant. We're talking about the coming king and his kingdom. It's a kingdom of righteousness and justice, the kind that he alone can bring. And when we get into chapter 56, we have a description of this kingdom in this way. Yahweh says, keep justice and do righteousness. For soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. Right off the bat, we need to understand that this is God's righteousness. This is God's salvation. Now, we're talking about the second person of the Holy Trinity, who is Yahweh, our righteousness, Yahweh, our salvation, the one who comes to save us 
and the one who comes to make us righteous. Now, this is the kind of kingdom that he comes to bring. Now, notice that in this kingdom, it consists of citizens who begin to keep justice and begin to do righteousness. Thus, the instruction to keep justice and do righteousness. The Christ is the one who comes to bring justice and righteousness, and we begin to be like him. Now, read Lessing in his commentary on Isaiah. He makes a note that in the first half of Isaiah, that being chapters 1 through 39, righteousness is associated with justice. Now, in the second half of Isaiah, which would be chapters 40 through 55, righteousness is associated with salvation. And now we have the correlation and the connection, making a distinction between active and passive righteousness. That is, doing versus receiving. First, Jesus is a gift. Second, Jesus is an example. Now, this is very simple to understand the gospel message that is proclaimed to us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. In other words, Jesus is given as a gift for the life of the world. Now, we understand that. Very easy to understand that this is a gift for by grace we have been saved through faith. And of course, Paul tells us that this is not of our own doing. It is the gift of God. It is not the result of works so that no one may boast. Why? Because we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see the move from gift to example, that Jesus primarily is a gift given to us that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone, and it's not our doing at all. It is Christ himself who comes to save us, to bring to us his righteousness. But then we begin to act like him. For we are recreated in Christ for good works. In other words, we are first declared to be righteous by faith alone. And then second, we begin to do righteous deeds. We begin to act like Jesus. He loves us first and we begin to love others. He has given us mercy, and we begin to be merciful toward others. Now, in this passage at the opening of Isaiah 56, we have both Jesus as a gift and Jesus as an example. Yahweh says, keep justice and do righteousness, because soon my salvation will come and my righteousness be revealed. Now, notice that primarily, again, Jesus is a gift. Jesus is Yahweh's righteousness. My righteousness is coming. This is pointing toward the incarnation. 
Ever since the days of Adam and Eve, humanity has been taught to wait for Yahweh's righteousness. Now, here in the book of Isaiah, we are taught about the coming kingdom of the Christ, the one who is going to bring a kingdom of justice and righteousness. In fact, he is Yahweh's righteousness. Now, back in Isaiah 46, we heard these words, I bring near my righteousness. He is not far off, and my salvation will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Now again, notice in Isaiah 46, the connection between righteousness and salvation. And then in Isaiah 51, my righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me and for my arm they wait. Again, notice the connection between righteousness and salvation. And then in our passage here in Isaiah 56, we have the proclamation. Keep justice and do righteousness, for soon my salvation will come and my righteousness will be revealed. In Jeremiah chapter 23, the prophet gives the title and the name to Jesus as Yahweh, our righteousness in which he talks about the incarnation, the one who is to be the branch of the house of David, that he's the one who's going to bring our righteousness. Thus the prophet Jeremiah says, In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called Yahweh, our righteousness. Now Christ alone is the righteous one. He is the one who makes us righteous. We receive his righteousness by grace alone, through faith alone in him. His righteousness is imputed to us, declared to be our own. This is a received righteousness. This is a passive righteousness. This is the gift from God. Jesus is our righteousness. At the same time, Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is Yahweh's salvation. Thus, my salvation will be revealed. Now, remember, the book of Genesis opens with that promise to Adam and Eve that her seed would crush the serpent's head. The promise of life where there is death. But of course, throughout the whole book of Genesis, we see sin and we see death, but we see no resurrection or eternal life. Thus, the whole book closes on that note with the blessing of Jacob, teaching us to say, I wait for your salvation, O Yahweh, the one who comes to save us from our sin. Now, in the New Testament, Paul teaches us to wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, that he will be revealed to us, that we will see our Redeemer standing on the new earth with our own eyes in the bodily resurrection. Jesus is Yahweh's salvation. He is our Savior. He's the one who comes to save us from our sin as his name declares. There is, of course, no other salvation and there is no other Savior. 
Recall with me back in Isaiah 43, when Yahweh says very clearly, I, I am Yahweh, and besides me there is no Savior. Or in Isaiah 45, Declare and present your case. Let them take counsel together. Who told this long ago? Who declared it of old? Was it not I, Yahweh? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none besides me. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is no other. Again, notice the invitation here. Turn to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. Here we are taught very clearly that it is God's desire that all people would be saved, that all people would hear this saving gospel, that they would be turned to him. Now, how does one turn to God? Well, of course, we do not have the spiritual ability or capacity to turn to God. We are dead in our trespasses. We are spiritually blind, deaf, mute, and spiritually paralyzed. We can do nothing to turn to God and be saved. It is through the proclamation of the Word of God that hearts are turned to Him. God's Word affects us. It makes us into believers. God creates with His Word and He recreates. God is the one who converts hearts so that we could hear His Word. Thus, in Isaiah 46, Yahweh says, Listen to me, you stubborn of heart. You who are far from righteousness, I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. And my salvation. He will not delay. I will put salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Again, notice that connection between righteousness and salvation. Yahweh's righteousness and Yahweh's salvation. Well, how is one saved? And how does one become righteous before God? Through the proclamation of his word. It's the voice of God that goes out to recreate us. Thus he says, listen to me, you stubborn of heart. The Holy Spirit is given through the word. The Holy Spirit is the one who enlightens us. God gives to us the spirit of wisdom so that our hearts may be turned, that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. You see, the Father sends the Son. He is the Savior of the nations. He is the one who brings righteousness to all people. And remember in chapter 49 of Isaiah, we have that that divine dialogue between the person of the Father and the person of the Son in which the Father says to the Son, Is it too light a thing that you should be my servant, to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel? I will give you as a light for the nations to be my salvation to the end of the earth. Again, he is given as the salvation of Yahweh. He is the Savior that comes to save us from our sin. 
Now, as the eternal, essential Word of God, begotten from all eternity, is sent forth by the Father to save us, then also this proclaimed Word, the message of salvation, is sent out to the ends of the earth, that we would hear and we would be saved. An example is seen in Isaiah 51, once again with an invitation, an invitation to listen. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. For a Torah will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples, the coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait." Again, we're talking about the incarnation, the person and work of Christ, the one who is Yahweh's salvation, Yahweh's righteousness, Yahweh's arm, the arm that comes to deliver us from the deception of the devil. Now, in chapter 51, Yahweh goes on to say, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath, for the heavens vanish like smoke the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Listen to me, you who know righteousness, the people in whose heart is my Torah. Fear not the reproach of man, nor be dismayed at their revilings. For the moth will eat them up like a garment, and the worm will eat them up like wool. But my righteousness will be forever, and my salvation to all generations. Now notice with me again this connection between Yahweh's righteousness and Yahweh's salvation. That he makes a comparison and a contrast between the current fallen creation, the the old system of sin and death, and the new order, the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth. And those are the current state of affairs. The heavens will vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like a garment. These things are temporary. They will not last forever. In contrast, he says, my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. And again, that contrast is that these current state of affairs of things, the the current creation and rebellion against the Creator, well, for the moth will eat them up like a garment. Again, talking about the rulers, about the leaders in this current realm. And the worm will eat them up like wool. Contrast to, these are earthly leaders. Of course, those earthly leaders that are in league with the devil trying to prevent God's kingdom from coming. But yet these earthly kingdoms are temporal and they will be toppled. These earthly leaders will be knocked off their thrones. But there is one who will reign forever. The one who came, who was crucified, died, buried, raised, and ascended given authority and a power, that is, sitting on the throne in the heavenly places. That's my righteousness, Yahweh says, who will be forever, 
and my salvation, Yahweh says, will be to all generations. Again, we have this distinction between the person of the Father and the Son. The Father sends forth the Son to bring justice and righteousness to the people. And the Father sends forth the Son, and the Son returns to his throne with the Father. The Son is our righteousness and our salvation. Let me give you some other examples of this theme being woven through the book of Isaiah. For we know that Jesus is our salvation. Jesus is Yahweh's salvation. Jesus is our Savior from our sins. Now back in Isaiah 12, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for Yahweh Adonai is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Of course, Jesus is Yahweh. Jesus is true God. God of God, light of light, true God of true God, begotten, not made. Or again in Isaiah 17. For you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of your refuge. Although Yahweh is the only Savior, although Yahweh is the only rock, the people of God have a track record of resisting Him, refusing Him, and not wanting to listen to Him at all, rejecting Him, and of course, ultimately, putting Him to death. Notice the pattern of the people of God who forget the Word of God. They forget the God of their salvation, and they forget the rock of their refuge. And when we hear passages like this, we are taught about the inclination to sin of the human nature, that our human nature has this propensity to sin. We, by nature, are enemies of God. We don't want to listen to what God says. But God, by nature, is love. God, by nature, is merciful. He is slow to anger. He's the one that continues to come to us and to speak to us. Again, that is how the kingdom comes. When the word is heard, the Holy Spirit is given. It is through the external word that the gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. Now, in chapter 12, remember it said, Behold, God is my salvation. Later on in Isaiah chapter 62, again, Behold, Yahweh has proclaimed to the end of the earth. And what's the proclamation? What's the voice of God? What's the instruction of God that's gone out to the ends of the earth? Well, it's simple. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. Take note that the preaching of the prophet is revealing to us the truth, the divine truth, giving to us eyes to see the salvation of God and the righteousness of God that we hear his word and we are given ears to see, that we would see our Savior. Behold, your salvation comes. Incarnation language again. 
that the incarnate word comes taking upon flesh. He comes to save us. And that's the message of salvation. This is the message of the cross that is sent out. Behold, your Savior is rejected by his own people. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But yet to all who do receive him, that is, believes in him, believes in the promises that he gives, has the right to become children of God. Now, as baptized believers, we are made heirs of the kingdom. We are adopted by grace. Again, that is the gift of God. It is the work of God. So, as baptized believers, Yahweh speaks to us and says, Keep justice. Do righteousness. As we wait for the second coming of the Christ, the salvation of Yahweh will come, his righteousness will be revealed, and we will see him with our own eyes. Ultimately, on the last day in our resurrected bodies, we will see him as we stand before him. Now, as we wait, we walk by faith and not by sight. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Redeemer Theological Academy. For more episodes or to leave comments about this show, please visit our website, RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Again, that's RedeemerTheologicalAcademy.org. Thanks for listening, and may our Redeemer Jesus Christ continue to be your life and salvation, your hope and your peace.